Welcome to Real Talk, Real Women, Breaking the Silence Around Abuse. I am Gemma Sereniti Gorokov, your host. And today, coming from Sacramento, California, we have the pleasure of welcoming Priya Kumar. So before I introduce her, if you are not subscribed to the show yet, go right here, right now to gemmasgem.substack.com. Put in your email and make sure to be informed every single time we publish every few days. So Priya is a financial coach. Her mission is to empower women by demystifying money and providing them with an infrastructure that allows them to build confidently. She coaches her clients on how to build a relationship with their money, heal financial trauma, and understand finances by breaking it into bite-sized digestible pieces. She works with nonprofits that serve survivors of domestic violence, sexual abuse, and sex trafficking to help them rebuild their lives. As a survivor herself, she knows how hard it is to take that first step. And now she's on a mission to empower women just like her and just like you. Priya, thank you so, so much for being here today with us. Thank you for having me on your show, Gemma. This is, what you're doing is so amazing and so much needed for the women who are going through what we have survived. Definitely. I totally agree. Thank you so much. My first question, so that people have really the feeling that they know you. Can you walk us through the big situation of abuse you have overcome throughout your life? and give them a, a, a sense of knowing you. Abuse is so different and so weird because um, we get abused early on before that big abuse takes place when we're like, oh, I'm actually getting abused. I should do something about it, right? Because we grow up, some of us grow up in toxic families, toxic environments. We uh, take on toxic friends, we take on toxic toxic relationships, and we don't really see it, but the pattern continues to exist. For me, it wasn't until I was, um, you know, in my, when I was, after I was married, and everything that I was going through um, started to bring into perspective, like some of the things that I have gone through, and I'm like, what, how is this related? What is happening here? And that's when I realized that, oh, this is very familiar. I've already been through something similar. And when we don't know any different, we think that is how it's supposed to be until we have an awakening and we're like, oh, I need to do something about this because now I can actually do something about it, right? Um, so it was it was when I was married and I it was the last year is when I was going through the worst of everything. You know, there was verbal, physical, everything was that I was going through. But the journey itself started, you know, as a child, I was molested by a family member. Of course, I didn't tell anyone because how do you bring it up? You know, how do you say? And being a girl and being, you know, certain cultures don't create that safe space for women. You know, so I never said it. And then growing up, you know, I was bullied in high school and I had a really, really toxic 
boyfriend in high school who was physically abused, who was, you know, in every way, he was just extremely abusive. And so looking back, I was like, this, why is this continuing to happen to me? And why do I keep trying to justify like, oh, they will eventually see my love for them. They will eventually see me and I'll stop. And I'm like, it doesn't stop. And when I was in my marriage at this time towards the end, I was pregnant and I was all like, I don't want to raise my child in this. I don't want my child to see this kind of love. I don't want my child to see that, oh, abuse is love. And so I gave myself an ultimatum, actually, because I was like, I'm the one who is going to make the change this time. I'm not going to continue with this. So I we tried everything. I tried to make it work. I did everything that I could. And then I was the one who decided that I'm not going to wait for the other person to see my love. I'm not going to wait for them to see my value or to even start valuing me. I'm not going to wait around for them to love me the way I really want to be loved, the way I want to be seen. And when I had my son, I gave it six months and I was all like, you know what? I have a reason now. Before, if I left, I would have felt guilty. Like, oh, I'm leaving because, you know, because there was drugs and alcohol and he was, you know, under the influence, like he was, he became a drug addict and all of that. So I was like, if I leave... And if something happens, that I'm not there to save him. It was almost the nurturing, the mother side of me who was there all this time because I wanted to save them from their self-destruction. And I was allowing them to destruct me in a way. And when I had my son, I was like, I got to choose now. Do I be a good wife who is not even really there, who's not seen? Or do I be a mother to a child who really needs me. I brought this child in this world. I got to make a choice. And that's the worst two options that you can have, right? Like pick between your marriage and your husband and pick between your child. And at that time, I wasn't seeing abuse in that light. It wasn't until way after. Right? At this time, I was just saying like, oh, this person needs me. I got to save him. I got to find a way to save him. And then maybe that will fix us and it'll fix the way our love is. Right. So that I was like, nope, I can't wait for that anymore. I have given it enough time. I got to choose my child and I got to walk away. As hard as it is, I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know what my next step is going to be. I don't know how difficult he may make this for me. Where am I going to go? Where am I going to find support? How long the struggle is going to be? I had no idea. All I knew was that I will figure it out. Everything in life is figureoutable. If I just get out of here, I am an able person. I will figure it out. And taking that first step was the hardest step. Stepping away with determination to not retract your steps, to not come back. And most abused people who have gone through it, most of them do end up going back and forth, back and forth. And they can't decide when is it for me to really just leave and just leave and not come back. And that was the hardest one. And this time, because I tried that before, back and forth, back and forth. This time, I promised myself, if I walk out that door, 
I am not coming back no matter what happens. And I did it. And that's when I, it was so scary. It was all, it was empowering, but at the same time, it was so scary because culturally, like in my culture, if you are divorced or you leave your husband off a sudden, it's like, no one wants to be a friend. No one wants to talk to you. So we do deal with a lot of cultural, um, whatever it may be that you may face in your culture, you know. I'm glad I live here in the United States. <laughs> there are more services for women and all of that. But then I was like, okay, am I strong enough to deal that with that side of it now? Because I've left one storm, but there could be another one just around the corner waiting for me. But I was like, I am not going to get scared. I am going to take my baby and I'm going to figure this out. You are so strong and so amazing and such an example and inspiration for you. I know firsthand how it is. And even if it feels like the most unsurmountable step, it is the first step out that makes all the difference. Yes. All the difference. Is it scary? Oh, yes, it is. Of course it is. But I'm going to tell you the truth. It is much scarier to think about it rather than to actually do it. Much scarier to think about it. Oh, God. Just yeah. to think, am I going to do it? Oh, no. I, I don't know where to go and I don't know what to do. And everything. you have all the reasons in the world to not go away. But actually, when you realize that if you are really in danger, your son or your daughter, if we say, oh, your pet is in danger, and you say, you know what? I'd rather take the unknown rather than take the abuse. Yes. Yes. That's probably my second question for you. You said, okay, you gave yourself six months. What is the shift? Because there is a moment in your mind where you do not take abuse anymore. When you shift it around, when something happens. For some people, it just builds up over time. And for some, it's like, as clear as cut with a knife in life <laughs> for you. I had two moments. One was when I went back to work after three months of maternity leave. And just like every mother, you were glued to looking at your pictures and your videos of your kid. Like that's what you do all day at work because you miss them so much. And I was sitting at work and I am going through all these pictures and all his videos. And, you know, usually when we look at pictures and videos, we remember that exact moment. We remember the emotions. We remember everything that was taking place around us when that picture was taken. When I was going through my son's pictures and videos, I didn't remember those moments. I didn't remember... When I took that picture, I didn't remember me doing whatever it was we were doing in that video or in that picture. I I didn't remember. I still, first six months of my son's life is still a blur. I don't really remember because I was just going through the motions. I was probably dealing with postpartum. I was depressed. I was, you know, trying to just survive, you know, and I, and at that in that moment, I was like, wow, I'm a mother and I don't remember these moments. And I was like, 
do I want to just go through the motions and raise my child and he's going to be fine because looking in the picture is like we're doing stuff we're going to places I'm feeding him we're having fun but I have no memory of it how is it even possible and that's when I was all like I I have to pick him and I got to choose myself what kind of a mother am I going to become if I can't even remember these moments what am I going to give my child and it's so unfair for this little soul. So that was the first moment when I decided, okay, I'm going. And that's when I knew, like, I'm going to go. When I'm, I'm going to be ready soon. I'm not ready right now. But I knew in my heart, in my spirit, that I was going to leave. And then three months later, fast forward three months, uh, we had a huge fight. We had a huge blow up. And so I I take my son, I go upstairs and I go to sleep, but I'm not really sleeping. And I hear, you know, someone is up in your house. You know it. You hear sounds and stuff. And I am looking um, in the, um, we had cameras. And I'm seeing that there's a guy that comes in with drugs and he has a gun or whatever. And they go in the backyard and they are sitting there like nothing is really happening he gives them money and there's the drug I think he was the drug dealer because he brought the you know he brought the drugs and he was the one sitting and my ex was the one who was using the drugs and I am sitting there watching this and it's almost like watching a time bomb tick and you're like oh it's it's gonna blow at some point it's gonna blow it's ticking and so I just, uh, at that moment, my son wakes up. It was probably like one or two in the morning. My son gets up and I was breastfeeding at that time. So I feed him and I uh, change his diaper. I wrap him up in his favorite blanket and I put him in his crib and I'm like, mommy will be right back. I'm not going anywhere. And in that moment, I'm, I walk out of the room I shut the door and I go downstairs and uh, and I'm preparing my steps now. I'm like, okay, what I gotta protect myself if something goes left. So you know, I'm like, okay, where's the rod? Because I'm always I took karate, so my mind thinks like that. You gotta have things in places where you gotta save yourself. But because I was also in it for so long, I started thinking like that. Where can I place something strategically so if I need it, it's at arm's reach. And um, so I scoped out all this stuff. And one thing that I did was I went through the kitchen. So I grabbed a knife from the kitchen and I put it on the dining table and the sliding door was by the dining table. So I'm like, if someone chases me, I'll back and and within seconds, I'll be at the knife. And and it, it's so you have to plan that way. Never thought I would ever, ever plan something like that. A, a survival strategy in your own house and um so then I go outside and I ask the guy kindly and I'm like hey listen you know it's really late I don't know why you're here but it'll be best that you leave and then of course my ex gets really upset and whatnot and he starts to say something and I show him the phone I had dialed 911 um and I was all like I've already called the police so either you ask him to leave and you can leave too, um, or the police is coming over. So the guy just gets up quietly. He's like, hey, I don't want no fuss. I'm going to go. So he leaves. And now my ex is coming in. 
and he wants to you know he's like almost like running towards me and i'm like not today don't you dare because i don't want to hurt you and he stops and he knew maybe there was something about me in that moment he stops so then he goes in the garage and i the the 911 um, representative picks up and I was like, hey, I, you know, I just called, you know, there's, you know, drugs involved. And I, I would just like, I don't feel safe. So I would want someone to come here, you know, and the, and the woman was like, is it a life threatening emergency? And I said, no. And she said, okay, someone will be there in an hour. And now I'm thinking, oh shit, one hour? I could be dead in one What the heck was I thinking? I should have said it was a life emergency. But in that moment, I realized that I did not want to admit that I was going through this. So me lying to her was denying the truth of what was happening. So then I'm sitting there with, you know, I have like the wasp bottle next to me. <laughs> the knife is there. The, the bar is there. And I'm like, okay, if anything... I can do enough to protect myself. Luckily, he didn't do anything. He went in the garage. I'm sitting just in the living room. The cops come in. Um, the cops get there. And he is... Uh, he is... Um, oh, wait. Track. He did have the gun at that time when he was coming in. So that's when I was like, wait, stop. And I was like, shit. Hopefully he doesn't kill me. I don't want to die. Right? So when the cops get there... The gun disappears. I don't know what he does with it or whatnot. It's gone. And then he greets the cops in the garage. And then he comes in with them inside the house. And the lights are on. And he shows them. And he's all like, look, she tried to kill me. Arrest her. And I'm like, what? And I look at him. He has like lacerations on his arms and his feet and all that stuff. And I'm like, I didn't do that. I never intended to. Yes, I put the knife on the table that was to protect myself if I got attacked, but I didn't even touch it. I didn't attack him with anything. And I probably looked like that all blood had drained from my face. And one of the cops looks at me. He's like, it's okay. Let's go talk to you guys separately. And he takes me outside and I'm like, I didn't do anything. And he's like, we see this all the time. I believe you. And I'm like, but there's a gun somewhere. I I don't know. Like it's I can't I don't know where it is. And he's all like, don't worry, we will take him away. You go look for the gun. Because until you press charges, we're not gonna be able to keep him. So I was like, okay, well, I can't deal with it right now. So yeah, once you guys leave, I I will go do that. And I searched the house the remainder of the hours until morning time. I did not find it. I I found the case. The guy had given me, the cop had given me his card and I called him and I said, I didn't find it. And he said, well, maybe he traded it for the drugs or whatnot, but at least you search. It's not in the house because he was all like, if you find it, come turn it in. Uh, so now it's morning time and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to get ready and go to work. And I did. I got ready and I went to work. I dropped my son to the babysitter. I went to work. From work, I called my mom and I said, I'm going to come over tonight and I'm not going back. And now she's worried. She wants to know. And I'm like, uh, I'll just explain when I get there. And when I get there, I only told them enough that they needed to know. I didn't tell them 
that event. But that was the event that really pushed me out the door, like literally just shoved me out the door and was like, okay, leave. You are not coming back. You don't have a reason to come back anymore. And in a way, I really feel like I prayed for that moment because I know myself so well. I have family is everything to me. You don't give up. You don't give up on your family. You don't, you just don't give up on people. And, and I knew, I, I do remember one time I was praying and I was like, God, if this is not meant to be for me, and if this is something that's going to kill me, do something so massive that I don't have a choice. Because if I have a choice, I might stay and I don't want to stay. So I think this this was really like, here, you asked for it. Here is your massive moment where that is going to really push you out and you're not going to stay. And that's exactly what happened. I never looked back. Yeah, Priya. You are such an inspiration. Such a beacon of light. The story is riveting. It's like, okay, we need to know the next. We need to know how it all unfolds because you are taking us in your experience with you and I guess at this one you'll remember absolutely perfectly when not like the six first months of your life (laughs) I mean thank you thank you thank you for creating the space for me I don't think I have ever spoken about it in detail like that those moments anyone has really asked me what was that pivotal moment when like that one moment when you knew in that moment when talking and there is always that moment you know if you look on youtube and you look for a a, a video about just me explaining who i am you will see that small part of it that says and all about this shift in consciousness when there is one moment in time there is a before and an after and you will never be the same. This is all, this is what matters the most because it is a pivot, because it is a moment of change. That is truly amazing. Priya, my third, I don't know if it is the last question, but my third question. <laughs> we have decided today to call your episode Finding Your Purpose. In your pain, can you speak into this concept? Because when you are in pain, it's so difficult to see clearly, to choose wisely. Because the pain can be, depending what kind of pain it is, can be debilitating or can push you through really hard times and and hard feelings and and perception and sensitivities and emotions. A lot of things is happening when you are in pain. So how do you find your purpose while being in pain? And maybe what kind of pain do you mention there? Uh, The pain of not having control. 
I think we are just so um, programmed in a way that, oh, I can do this. I can figure it out. But when life throws you a curveball that you are not prepared for, it's almost like, wait, why wasn't I prepared for this? I should have been, right? So that pain was just me internally, almost like I I should have done this. I should have done that. I should have seen this. I shouldn't have gotten married in the first place. You know, like all these scenarios that you repeat in your head that you could have done or you should have done. And that's the hardest part because it just makes us angry at ourselves. Why didn't I do it? Or why I waited so long? You know, or why did I choose wrong to begin with? You know, and and that's why like finding the purpose was the biggest part. When I started on the journey after I left um, my house and I moved in with my parents, I was severely depressed. There were times when I wouldn't even eat and I wouldn't know that I haven't eaten. And my mom will be like, oh, have you eaten today? Go eat something. And I'll be like, oh, yeah, of course I did. And she'll be like, there were no dishes in the sink when I came home and it's only what we ate is there. You did, you haven't eaten. And then I'll be like, oh, did I not eat today? Oh, then I'll be like, okay. Then it was like, okay, I got to do something to really get out of this, this funk that I am stuck in now. It's, it's a pain, it's anger, it's grief because I'm losing something that was sacred to me, the marriage, you know. And with that, I'm also losing a part of myself, a huge part of myself, because now being here, I am a changed person. I have experienced something that will never allow me to go back to being the person that I was. A part of me has died. And and I didn't know how to deal with that. And I truly believe I went through the seven stages of grief. You know, the anger was the one that lasted the longest. And and it wasn't until like months later, I was all like, you know, I really need to do something about it. Because right now I am playing the victim role because I'm thinking in my head, God, why me? Why did I go through this? Why did you put me through this? There are so many other worse people. Why me? You know, why was I the chosen one? Have you not already put me through enough before this why now I thought it was done like I was done with all of this you know so then I I was like you know what this is really not gonna help me that why is never gonna come because that why is only making me think oh I should have done this or I could have done this and it's making me more angry so then I was like you know everything happens for a reason I'm sure I'm like you have put me through this God I'm sure you have the reason. And there is something that you want me to take away from this. There is something that you want me to learn from this. There, There is something bigger than what I'm going through right now. And because I am stuck in this, in this pain of myself that I'm not able to see it. And I'm like, please show me what are the things that I need to do. And in order to do that, of course, God is not going to just be like, oh, hello, Priya, this is what it all means. Like the figuring out is my part right? <laughs> so then I was like, okay, what do I need to do to find the answers that I'm looking for? 
so then I started looking at myself. Okay, what are the things that I can focus on? I have control over um, eating every day, making sure that I'm eating and I am drinking water, I'm hydrated, at least it's going to nourish my body. It's fueling my body so I can focus on other things. I can take care of my child. And then after that, I was like, okay, I got to admit the fact that I am depressed. I I need to go get help. And sometimes asking for help is so hard because telling someone else what happened to you, it almost like makes us sound like they're going to judge us for not knowing better, for not doing better. We feel ashamed. Like, oh, I left and I couldn't take care of myself or I wasn't strong enough to stick it out or whatever it may be. Like we, we put it all on ourselves, you know? So that I was like, okay, well, I don't care what it looks like, but I'm going to go get help. Um, I tried therapy. Therapy didn't work. for me. I just felt like that I was going in and they'll make, a, make me um, unpack all of my baggage, lay it out on the table at the end of the hour, be like, okay, pack it back up and go back home. So now what do I do with all these emotions that are out? Like, I'm like, this is not working for me. I am coming back more depressed and feeling worse. I need something that will show me some light, some hope at the end of the tunnel. I need to see that. That's the only way I will want to take the journey forward. So then I started going on retreats and these were like a few days long. You know, luckily my parents were so supportive and I was like, mom, I need to do this because I'm falling apart. And I, my first retreat was um, three days uh, with 25 strangers in a house. And before this, I have never left home, not even for school. <laughs> this was my very first trip of any sort anywhere without my family or friends people that I didn't know and that's when I saw some hope a little little spark at the end of the tunnel and I was like okay I will be okay and it was so powerful because it allowed me to share sit with it sit with the pain look at it get familiar with it, and decide. At this point, am I going to let it hurt me or I'm going to take this and mold it into something else? So that's when I was like, okay, this happened. I'm going to mold it because if I just let it be and not make something of it, it's going to keep hurting me. I'm going to keep struggling with this pain. And I'm going to hate everyone around me because I'm going to continuously be the victim, right? I'm going to hate other men who are going to try to come in my life. I'm going to not trust uh, friends or other male figures. I'm like, it is going to consume my life in a way that I don't want it to. I don't want my past to have that much power that it swallows my future. I can't do that and I will not allow it. So then I was like, okay, I want to learn more about life. Because this happened, this means it's for a bigger purpose in my life. And I was like, how do I learn about life? I didn't want to just read books. I didn't want to just watch videos or podcasts. I was like, okay, I'm going to go where I will get 
get it firsthand. So I took training for hospice and I started volunteering for hospice. And being around people who are dying, it makes you so real that that is the only thing that is guaranteed. It is inevitable. The journey in between, nothing is guaranteed. Just talking to these people at the end of their life and seeing where they've been, they've been and what they've been through, how they've come out of it, where they are, and if they had a moment to go back and redo anything or what they wish they could have done differently, that tells me, that guides me, that I am here now and I have a chance to make it how I want it to be in the end. And so that's when I, I got more motivated. I'm like, okay, I got to do more. I got to grow. There's so much that I don't know. So then I started surrounding myself with other people who knew more, other coaches, other uh, mentors. You know, I started really seeing the value that I had. I'm like, okay, I go to work. What am I learning? What is the difference that I'm making? It doesn't matter that I am an investigator with the government. I'm talking to these people day and night, telling them what the issue is and the mistakes that they've made. What am I really taking away from this? And what am I giving them in return? And that changed my whole perspective. Then I started really looking at everything that I embodied, everything that I had learned, everything my parents had taught me, everything that I learned from other people. Then I started like, so I put everything in a basket. Then I'm like, okay, now I'm going to throw away everything that I don't like and I don't want to carry forward. And it was, a, I tell you, when I was done, the basket was almost empty. <laughs> because I didn't identify with any of it. And, that, and that's one thing I've realized that so many of us, carry all that unnecessary weight into our future that we don't need to carry. So after doing that, and I'm like, okay, now I can rebuild from here. The little pieces that are left, a handful of it, that define me, I'm going to build from this. And that's why I was like, okay, I want to help other people. But what is the right way to help? Because I'm like, I don't want to just talk to someone and they feel better. I'm like, I want to leave an impact where it's going to allow them to make a change, a lasting change in their life. So then I'm like, my life needs to have a mission. Otherwise, I have nothing, no target, no focus, right? No goal. So my life's mission is that every person I meet, I want to leave them better than I found them. And it could be a conversation in the copy. <laughs> that yeah. is truly beautiful. Priya, thank you so much for speaking about where and how you turn over your situation. How from a place of pain, you give yourself permission to heal with the help of others, with the support of others, even total strangers. Yeah. 
Thank you. I was speaking into that truth. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And what you said is so powerful. Giving yourself permission to heal. What has happened has happened. It's gone. You don't have control over it. You cannot go back and change it. And that itself is so powerful. Allowing yourself to heal. And the biggest piece for me was when everything is falling apart, we don't see what we have left. And what I needed to do was really because I only had little pieces left now. I had to really hold it with love and gratitude. And every day I would write at least three to five things that I was grateful for. And in the beginning, there were just tiny little things, you know, like, oh, I ate today. <laughs> I mean, I, it's powerful. Right? And just the little things that I was grateful for, or I loved today. I called a friend. I ate dinner with my family, you know, just the little things. And it got started to get bigger and bigger and bigger. And I started writing my goals, like something more that I'm going to do for myself the next day. And it was reading and, okay, I'm going to go for a walk. I'm going to go be in the sun, you know, I'm going to take my son to the park. And, and I would write gratitude for all those things because those are decisions, right? We, that was, that was me allowing myself to grow again, to find myself again, to start living again. And that gratitude just start building from it. And it, it really humbled me as well because then when I looked back at the painful events and it's like okay ah that happened yes it was a big deal but when you are healed that giant all of a sudden has shrunk and it becomes so small but when we stay in the trauma in the pain that giant is huge and it's looming over us and there are so many women who leave the situations, but they stay in the pain and the trauma. And the giant never leaves them. And now when I work with women, that is something I tell them. Look at, don't just look at one big event that happened in your life. Look at all the other little small events that took place that led to you reaching this big event. Right? Because it, it was something program something that we saw that we thought it was okay so we put ourselves in a situation where like oh no big deal it's okay you know so then rebuilding was really me deconstructing myself completely and rebuilding with gratitude from the little pieces that I have it's absolutely amazing thank you for speaking to all of that Priya you really brought so much light love, hope, guidance. Thank you for all of that. How can people get a hold of you? They can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Profit Coach Priya, ProfitCoach.Priya. I'm on LinkedIn as Priya Kumar. And on Facebook, my page is Pivot My Profit. That's probably the easiest way they yes. can find me. And I also have my, uh, yes, 
And I also have my gratitude journal on Amazon. And it's actually called Slight Journey Rebuilding with Gratitude. And it really lays out pretty much the building blocks that I used for myself. It starts with gratitude and then it has actions. What are the actions that you're going to take towards yourself or your goal, whatever it is that you're going through? It has a section where um, it says visualization. So visualize the ending of whatever this is that you're looking for, right? And then prayer. Say a prayer for yourself. And I used to pray for just strength and peace. I just keep me strong enough to get to the next day, you know? And then I have affirmations. Remind yourself that you are love and light. Remind yourself that you are healing and you are healed in many areas as well. And then the biggest part uh, in there is self-care. You have got to be able to refuel yourself, your mind, your body, your spirit. And whatever that looks like, you know, people talk about, oh, just meditate or just go in the sun or whatever. Find what works for you. This is your journey. You are rebuilding. Thank you so much. And I just tested Google and I just put pivotmyprofit.com to see if that goes on. And absolutely, yes, it is yours. <laughs> so pivotmyprofit.com to make it super simple. Yes. And there is everything there for you. Yes, and there's my calendar yeah. link there as well. I do mm-hmm. provide 30-minute free consults. Sometimes I'll have a woman, they'll be like, I saw this or I read this somewhere and I just have a question. Can you give me some guidance? And, you know, they can even like just message me on there. And um, I have a free gratitude journal that's like PDF. So if anyone needs it, I will be happy to just email it to you. <laughs> Thank you. Amazing. No, so, so much. Have an amazing day. Everything is in the description as well. When you update your link, let me know. We are going to update it as well here to make sure that that keeps on being current and timeless. It's probably not going to change. I'm that happy. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Thank you. 